thank you so much for joining us today. Could not be happy to, to, uh, to have you on our podcast here. Very excited to have this conversation. Definitely admire what you've been up to for the past couple of years as a, uh, a fintech junkie myself. Um, so with that, we'd love to hop in. Blake, welcome to the podcast. Um, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of your background and what you're up to at Janover Ventures, that would be fantastic. Chris, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm just going to repeat what I said before, which is I think it's uh, really badass what you're building at uh, King's Crowd. And uh, I, I believe that we need trust and transparency in private equity markets and uh, like no BS. I think it's very cool what you're doing and I'm, I'm grateful to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. This is awesome. So uh, a little bit about me. Uh, without boring, uh, without boring you, uh, I've got, I guess, 15 to more than 15 years as I just always been an entrepreneur. Um, and it's always kind of been at this intersection of real estate and debt markets and technology. Um, and January Ventures is something I started two years ago to solve the ridiculous, like the offensive amount of frictions that exist in multifamily and commercial real estate finance, uh, and ultimately small business finance, that's at this point, almost there by design, uh, by, by the incumbents. And uh, every, every originator or every advisor wants you to think that they're like special and they have this intuition and maybe they are. I, I mean, every human is special. My mother told me I was, I, I'm very special and you know, that's worth <laughs> something. But really the, the, the bottom line is that uh, everything is, a, every, everything is conditional, right? Um, it's all if this, then that, and it could be put into a beautiful and friendly UX, just like Rocket Mortgage did it for residential. It's absolutely doable for multifamily, for commercial, for small business finance. So what we're trying to do is just reduce the frictions uh, in, in commercial property financing, make it a little bit easier, a little bit more affordable for everybody. And uh, one of the nuances to what we're doing, and, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll cut it off because I'm already talking too much. One of the nuances is part of our, uh, what I'll call moat is our SEO. Uh, we have like uh, a million people a year uh, coming to our mm. websites about multifamily, commercial, and, and business finance, and and it's it's almost entirely organic. And the whole thesis of it is is education. So we're even if we're not servicing somebody, we are giving them the the information that they need about their loan or about what loan options are out there, and they can go to another company if they want to. But generally speaking. Uh, they're they're kind of passing through our portal, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of what we're doing a little bit about me. Very cool. Well, I appreciate that, Blake. And it it essentially sounds like to kind of what you were hitting on. You were building a rocket mortgage for commercial lending, whether that be you're investing in multifamily properties or you're investing in some sort of commercial real estate, call it a you know a supermarket or whatever you know strip mall type of thing. So tell me, in terms of the type of uh, organization or individual you're finding who's coming to Genova Ventures, does it tend to be an experienced operator who's been not well served? Is it new operators and younger people? Like, what does that kind of look like? You know, that's a question I get a lot. And the truth is, it's the full gamut. So uh, last month, we closed a $15 million government short insured construction loan for uh, a public housing authority. Hmm. Uh, last year, we closed uh, two uh, 25 or $20 million plus construction loans for, for super experienced operators. Similarly, we've arranged 50 and $100,000 loans for small business owners. Uh, so our platform uh, is kind of agnostic in the capacity that 
it scales up and down. Um, and and it's, it's up to us to build the conditional understandings into there. But once it's in there, it works for everything. Got it. Well, there's a reason that we have you on the show today. And, you know, we're all about the online private markets and helping investors make informed investment decisions uh, in this space. And, uh, and you have actually done a raise on Republic, and now you're actively doing a raise on Start Engine. So tell us a little bit about that decision process to go and list your company on these platforms. Um, and how's the experience been so far? The experience has been educational and amazing and humbling uh, and, 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 and tough. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> wait, let, let me go back to the, to the first question. So the first question is, how did I come to this place where we were going to make this decision? So I kind of watched Republic from the beginning, and I really admired the way they were delivering uh, this like access to, to, to formerly kind of like an opaque marketplace, like, like private startups. And I thought they delivered in like a beautiful UX and UI. And I, I'm not promoting, I mean, this isn't to promote them. I, I didn't use them on this round. So, <laughs> um, so I, I, I really followed them. And uh, at the point where I was ready to really ramp up what we were doing with Janover, I had this, I had this option. It was, uh, it was three, right? It's continue to bootstrap, which is what I've always done and which is not what I'm doing now. Yep. Um, I got to kind of open up uh, uh, my universe here. Uh, it was traditional VC, which is traditional, um, but in my opinion, it's misaligned with founders. Uh, the, uh, what, what a VC has to do is they have to make a lot of investments. And I'm not, I'm, some VCs are amazing. I'm just saying in general. Uh, they're, they're at odds with the founder. I got to make a better deal. I've got to get some controls. I've got to get some liquidity preferences. This company has to grow 10 X. Otherwise I don't care what it does. This company has to grow hundred X. Otherwise it might as well be zero. So this is, this is a material misalignment right off the bat. Um, and gosh, so my favorite reason is our thesis was kind of like, as a company was like, we're democratizing commercial real estate capital markets and, yeah. and, and, and Republic and start engine and we funder they're democratizing uh, capital markets in their own capacity and their own vertical. So it was like, it was like, it was just meant to be uh, like, we got to try it. Um, and the, and it's been, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been an adventure. I mean, I really, I thought Right, and I'm a smart guy. I've got a lot of experience. I've built businesses. I've blown a couple up. I've sold one. You know, I've, I, I, I really thought I was just gonna like ring the bell and raise the money, and we were gonna be filled up like super fast, uh, and that like our like some like a little bit of marketing, and we were gonna be filled up. And man, we, you know, we had to we had to grind it out, uh, but, but the experience was uh, absolutely priceless. Nice. Yeah. No. I, it's definitely. Um... I think something that founders find, you know, if you go into it, the mentality, if you build it, they will come, you will most likely be, be disappointed. If you look at it as, hey, this is a part of my capital stack and the approach I'm going to take to raise the capital, but here's the 10 things I'm going to do, then they could be pretty delighted with the, uh, with the experience. So definitely it's a learning, uh, major learning curve going through this new process of raising capital. Um, tell me a little bit about when you heard that they were raising the limits of 5 million, uh, how does that affect your thinking around raising capital in this market? Um, and now having kind of your offering live on Start Engine. You know, I, 
it kept me in CF. So if the if the limit, I was I was preparing for a Reg A plus. We did the PCAOB audit, PCAOB, PCOA, the peanut butter and jelly audit. We did <laughs> we did the fancy big deal public company audit, um, and we were we were kind of like going on the path of of of, of Reg A plus, and that's still um, right right in our sights. But when we had the ability to to kind of raise another four point two million. Uh, using CF and launching another platform, uh, it's, it, you know, I talk about friction. When, when I, the framework I think about fintech, in, in which I think about fintech, is like reducing frictions. So the SEC kind of reduced frictions for the next five million bucks. And, you know, we, we, we want it, we need it, we want it to grow. And, uh, and they made it easier for us to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud a couple of the platforms for being really selective uh, or um, more selective than you'd expect with, uh, with, with who they're letting, uh, with who they're letting on and, and who they're letting do follow-up rounds and, and things like that. But uh, the 5 million was important to me. And I think the 75 million uh, is, is important to public markets as a whole as they begin, as they, as, as they, as they begin to like accept A plus as an alternative to an S1. Um, I think it's really important. Absolutely. Seeing that you had some really nice growth between kind of 2019 and 2020. So how did you deploy the capital from that last round um, to kind of drive growth in the business? And how do you think about your growth plan going forward? So we, thank you for pointing out positive things. We, we tripled uh, revenue, but we, like we grew top line on 83% and, uh, and we're profitable and, and our, our profit uh, I think our income after operations grew even more than that uh, on a percentage basis. Uh, we started hiring while we were doing the raise because like we knew it was there. So uh, we hired a, a head of uh, operations in HR who's a, I, I think, I think she was the former assistant head of personnel for the White House or something really oh, badass wow. like that. Uh, we hired a really uh, smart guy to run our small business uh, division because our, our SBA uh, business just kind of like uh, our organic traffic really blew up. So hmm. we, 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 we hired him to start adding people to the platform. Uh, we're about to uh, hire a new uh, full stack uh, engineer uh, to keep uh, building everything out. Um, I think I, money's kind of fungible, uh, with, uh, not to be confused with, with, with non-fungible NFTs, <laughs> uh, but I, during the raise period, uh, we, we hired a, a head of content because we like we built all of our organic traffic with like everything was so bootstrapped. So we're like mm -hmm. finally adding people to it. And uh, our first quarter uh, this year was the highest revenue quarter. Uh, like we use accrual accounting. I, I, you know, it was the highest revenue quarter we've ever had. Um, wow. And you know, we're going to we're going to keep building on it. So uh, we've got a new end. Oh, we hired a brilliant UX UI designer who helped us uh, make this like really wonderful experience for, uh, for for borrowers and lenders alike. Our portal's really pretty. I think it's best in class. So tell me, are you guys, uh, are you a, a virtual company now? Do you have kind of a headquarters? Uh, how do you have that set up going here during the pandemic? So I thank you for asking this. I didn't know if this was coming. Uh, I, I like this. So prior to the pandemic, we were primarily remote and distributed. Uh, I think like at, at January, 2020, we were remote and distributed completely. And 
I'd been running remote and distributed organizations uh, in, in various levels for the last 15 years. And I was getting so much grief when I was talking about raising money. They're like, what are you doing? Working at home in your underwear? You got a bunch of people on the other side of the world for $3 an hour? I'm like, no, we have like a highly process oriented, efficient organization and we, we bust our asses. So fast forward February, I, I, I moved to, to Boca Raton, which is where I'm living now. And I actually opened up an office because I, I had a baby and I'm married and the kids screaming in the background. So, <laughs> so I'm like, listen, let me set up a home base here in Boca. And we happened to have a couple people that were like, that were physically, like geographically close. So now we have a small office in Boca where there's one, two, three, four, five of us. Yeah. And, and the rest of the team is remote and distributed. And we're, uh, you know, we've been zooming and slacking and, uh, and, and, and all over notion uh, and Jira and, you know, whatever else, like that's, that's our style. Nice. Well, Hey, it sounds like, uh, you made out okay. Then if you already kind of had it in your DNA, the, uh, the transition is much, much easier. (laughs) We got lucky. So in terms of kind of the next, you know, 12 to 18 months for you, you're raising up to 4.2 million more on start engine, um, and you're continuing to grow the business. Uh, what are the key focus areas for growth um, that you're investing in now? It sounds like you hired five. Where are you going from here? So we have we have three really important areas for growth in my perspective. One of them is on the content side. We want to continue to expand this mode. As long as we have the best distribution, borrower borrower facing distribution in the industry, uh, it's going to be it's going to be hard to take us out, even though there's room for, there's room for all the competitors here, right? This is a massive multi-trillion dollar universe. I, I, I know some of the other competitors and, uh, and, and I think some of them are really cool guys and they've got great companies and I hope they, and I think we could all do really well together. Um, so content, because I want, I want that growing moat. I want that free client acquisition engineering, because we have a roadmap, uh, that's, uh, longer than that highway that goes across California. And we got to build all of that. Um, and, and we've got to continue to deliver value to borrowers and lenders. And we want to delight them. And we want to have an NPS score that's like embarrassing to show off. It's so good. And, and, <laughs> and we're getting there. Um, and so the other thing we want to do is we want to have, so we have to do something that's client facing. We have two clients. We have we have lenders and borrowers. So we really need to build the team that's onboarding lenders and that's kind of touching and giving some kind of concierge uh, level service to borrowers as they come through the platform. Because really, like it, it works well now, right? We had I don't know one two salespeople, one point five salespeople. We pushed one hundred eighty eight million dollars through the platform last year. You're talking about like no sales squad, and uh, and we can do that and scale that. But I, there's there's value to uh, a little bit of love and and a little bit of connection and uh, I, I, like economic value, right? I'm not doing it altruistically. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's important. So th- so those are the kind of places we want to grow. We want to we want to grow in sales. We want to grow in, in, in client facing interaction. We want to grow our moat, and we need to grow our software. Uh, and and you know so let's you know let's see how much we grow and how much we raise, and that'll determine how much we can deploy uh, towards everything. Well, I, you know one of the things I think I learned early on is that. If you position yourself in just an endlessly massive market, be it mortgages or commercial or real estate and all this stuff, it's like, it's just so, it's so damn big that even if you're a small slice of the pie, you're in fact a really big company. I mean, the fact that you process 
180 million in loans last year. Like that's, that's a, what a drop in the bucket of the overall industry, but it, it also shows you how much room there is to run and play in this space. Um, yeah. And there's plenty of unmet need for sure. So, I mean, that, that's why I personally am a huge fan of FinTech plays because I think that the opportunities are so endlessly massive that even if you're not number one, you could be number five or 10 and still be just a ginormous company. You can um, be number it's fascinating. 50, you can be number 50 and be ginormous. These, these markets are, un, are, are massive and the incumbents are um, bogged down and it's, and it's really hard um, and there's great books about it. It's really hard to innovate downstream. So, and some of them might do it, but most of them won't uh, because it, it starts with the culture <laughs> and changing culture, uh, especially in a massive organization is challenging. Managing culture in a small, small organization is tough. So, uh, you know, I, I, hope, I hope all the FinTech innovators uh, out there do, do well. I think there's room for all of us to be the future incumbents to be disrupted by uh, robots and smart kids. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear from you, you know, something I've heard from other founders and I've experienced myself in raising capital online is that the connections you make can be really interesting. So I think we have about 2,100 investors. I will tell you the most predominant investor that tends to reach out and want to build a relationship with me just have happened to be commercial real estate uh, individuals. So for one reason or another, I'm not wholly sure why that's the case. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, have you had any connections from your investor network that's grown from being on Republican now start engine that have actually either become clients or partners or helpful to you in one way or the other? I have, so when I went in, I thought, uh, this is pre COVID and, and it was Republic. So when I went in, I thought, man, we've got this huge network of commercial property owners and multifamily owners and they're going to be all over it. And then, uh, and we're going to have evangelists, blah, 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 blah. and maybe you could tell from the tone of my voice that it didn't really happen like that. So COVID <laughs> hit and every commercial property and multifamily owner in the, in the country was like, oh, you know, <laughs> like this yeah. kind of. And, uh, and, and we just ended up with a whole different demographic. And hmm. I think what I've found is this is going to sound cheesy and cliche, so you might want, you might choose to edit this out. Um, but what I found is connection and support with really smart, wonderful people uh, who are who like believe in us and believe in me. And I could tell you that some people would say that I'm a smart guy or experienced or successful or a good leader, you won't catch me saying any of that except for in the context that, that, that I just put it. But, but me, I am like, I'm always having imposter syndrome. And it's really cool to have somebody that's, to have 2,500 cheerleaders that are for the cause. And, 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 I've, and I've felt it and, uh, and I didn't expect it to happen like that. I thought it was gonna be a, a PR nightmare and an investor relations nightmare. And the reality is, is nobody bothers me. Nobody gives me any crap. They're just like, hey, how can I support? You're doing a great job. Keep it up. It's a grind. It's going to be okay. How can I help? And, uh, and that's, been, that's been the biggest surprise of this whole thing. I agree. I honestly, I have so found that, you know, the individual investor, they're, they're your best advocates and they, like, they're really supportive. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, I think the platforms do a really good job. I know we're making efforts and I know a lot of other publications kind of play in the space. A lot of people made a lot of efforts to train and educate uh, individual retail investors. And you can feel it because you're going, 
I know this takes a long time. I know this is hard. Keep going. Great job. And, and it is. I mean, it's a wonderful feeling to have those people really backing you and supporting you long term. Uh, definitely an interesting experience. I'm glad to hear it's been good for you. That's definitely something more founders need to hear is this is not the major ordeal that you think it is. In fact, it's most likely much easier than dealing with one VC. 2,100 people who support you yeah. is actually way better. <laughs> I, and, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's, it's more work uh, to go out and, and, and do this. So this is off topic, but I, I, the founders need support. I wish I had support in the beginning. I wish somebody told me like, you're not going to raise it in 90 days. Like that's fake news. Um, and, and <laughs> you know, but what I've done is what I'd encourage other founders to do, and they can reach out to me, but I, I cold reached out to a bunch of successful CEOs on LinkedIn and a lot of them, not all of them were super receptive and like, Hey man, yeah, let's get on a 20 minute call. How can I help? How can I give you some advice? Um, and, and I think that's needed out there. No, that's terrific to hear. Um, so one last question that I always love to ask founders, especially when you have a raise available for investors to be able to go to uh, five years, what does success look like for Janover Ventures? I think we have the potential to be the first digital, the primary digital touch point, the first digital touch point for multifamily and commercial property borrowers. Um, and, and that's measurable. And I think success is us being able to provide billions of dollars a year in better financing uh, for multifamily and commercial property owners. And that stuff trickles down. I'm not pitching Reaganomics, but I am saying that better <laughs> terms uh, and, and, and better leverage and safer debt and non-recourse options, uh, this makes its way down to tenants uh, and uh and, and into local economies and, and into and into small businesses' hands, um, which is, which I think, unequivocally, uh, is agreed drives America. Um, so, so, so that's that's our success. And nice. Maybe maybe we go public, or you know, some monster buys us along the way. That, that, that would be <laughs> success too. That is, yeah. That's there's nothing wrong with that, and always good for investors. Uh, well, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being an individual who is committed to, you know, raising capital from this space and allowing individuals to be involved with your company. Congrats on all the success to date uh, and really looking forward to watching the rest of your journey. Thank you, Chris. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a little thing right here, which is thank you for building trust and transparency where it hasn't yet existed in, in private equity. And I wish you all the success in the world. And you've got a, a, a supporter over here in me if you ever need anything. Well, I really appreciate that. That's, uh, that's fantastic to hear. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, hope to chat again with you soon. Take care now.